Moncrief on News Talk. Time to have a look at uh, some stories from other parts of the planet. Jonathan DeBarca Butler is here as our guide. Uh, as ever, Jonathan, good afternoon. Sure, how are you uh, right, France, we're going to go to uh, first. This is a bizarre story mm. about this little boy. Yeah, this is about a nine-year-old boy who lived in the town, small town of Nersac in the southwest of the country, I believe. He was abandoned for two years. Uh, and it's an amazing story, really, of um, resilience because, you know, he was able to, obviously he had no money, so he couldn't pay the heating bills or anything like that. But he just got on with it. He, he mm. washed himself in cold water. He would eat cake and tinned food and started pilfering food from neighbours around him who obviously copped on that something was going on and then they started giving him food. But he still managed to go to school every day. He got himself up, he went to school, came home, did his homework, put himself to bed and got on with life. And for that reason, nobody really suspected until, you know, a good bit into the into yes, his... Yeah. Into his uh, particular problem um, what was going on and um, eventually somebody raised the alarm and, and uh, you know and told the authorities anonymously that they thought he had been abandoned and it turned out that the mother was only living three miles away she had shacked up with a new boyfriend and uh, every now and again very occasionally she would come along and she would give food to the child and look in to see was he still alive but basically, she abandoned him and left him to look after himself. Yeah. Uh, so he, would he have been seven when she when she left? Him? No, she was she was she was nine when he was oh, abandoned. Right. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Good question. But he, no, nine when he was abandoned. He was eleven when he was taken into care. Yeah. yeah and now he's she, in care. And and uh, a father is there? Did, so the is father, there, father there is a scene? father. Yeah. He he lives elsewhere. Uh, he wasn't uh, charged at all. Uh, I don't think, or no responsibility was leveled at him. Um, but the mother has now been uh, was arrested and was charged uh, for abandoning the child and was sent mm. to prison. Well, she wasn't actually sent to prison. She's been she's been given a prison term for six months, but she's going to serve that at home. Now, whether that's in the flat that she yes. used to live in or the boyfriend's flat, I don't know, to be honest with you. But either way, it appears that he's been taken into care and hopefully... And I'm sort of glad that this story has got such a high profile because hopefully it means he's going to get a good foster family to look yes, after him. Yeah. And uh, that sort of, um, uh, you know, the, his desire to, for education and all yeah, that kind of thing will be carried on. I'd yeah. love to find out what happens to how, him in the end, uh, to be yeah, How extraordinarily mature for, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. for that age. And, you know, usually when these kind of things happen, there's a lot of, you know, questions need to be answered. Uh, why didn't anybody notice anything? Well, it, this is the whole thing. He went to school and he seemed perfectly normal. In fact, the mayor came out and made a statement and said that he was smiling, very good pupil, always clean and polite and nothing suggested that he was abandoned. Uh, she went on to basically say that she challenged anyone who could say they would have detected this situation, which sounds like she's being a bit defensive there, actually. <laughs> well, yes, um, understandably, which, which, yes. Which might be understandable, all right. But look, if he was just carrying on and uh, and nobody suspected anything for a long time, then, you know, it's 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 hard to know. But yeah, I mean, and I suppose, you know, washing his uniform and ironing it yeah. and doing it to, you know, to well enough that nobody would think he's looking dishevelled or anything. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Uh, right, uh, this is a, a ve- another very sad case involving a child. Uh, a Minnesota family are suing a jail over the death of their son. Yeah, this is, uh, this is again, another story of neglect. Um, it involves a man by the name of Lucas Bellamy. He was, he was 40 when he died in July uh, 2022. That was three days after he was arrested by um, Hennepin County Sheriff's Department. Now, a lawsuit has been brought against them 
by the parents, all right? And one of the parents, a man by the name of uh, the father, obviously one of the parents, Louis Bellamy is mm. relatively well known in Minnesota. He founded a theatre there years ago. African-American, just to clarify that, because obviously... These things are always important in Well, they are, yeah. And also in Minnesota, where, of course, George Floyd died in uh, 2020. Mm. This is where this happened. So this has a history um, uh, of this occurring in this particular um, state and in this particular city, Minneapolis. So anyway, this man, Lucas Bellamy, he had a history of trouble, okay, and when he was arrested after a car chase, he was actually wanted for uh, drug and firearm possession, other charges of drink driving and that kind of thing against him. So he was brought in anyway, and when he was being brought in, he informed the authorities that he had ingested a bag of drugs, okay? Mm. So they did the right thing initially anyway. They brought him to hospital. He was monitored for a while in the hospital, basically said, okay, we're going to give him back. Uh, back to you, right, uh, you can bring him to jail or whatever, detain him, but if there's any problems, you're under strict instructions to bring him back. Nine hours later, after leaving the hospital, he became ill and he started vomiting, right, and he started pleading uh, the, to the staff to to administer Narcan, which is the drug that's used for uh, opioid overdose, mm-hmm. heroin overdose or whatever it might be, but they failed to do that. He started, he was put into a private cell, I believe, and he started to uh, get really, really sick. They'd come back to look into him every now, look in on him every now and again, and they'd see him crawling on the ground and uh, really screaming in agony, to be honest with you. But they didn't do anything until the next morning when they gave him an antacid, right? Okay. Uh, And then a few hours later, they came back and they found him unresponsive and he died uh, shortly thereafter. So... We know all of this because when the lawsuit was announced last week, there was CCTV footage that was shown by the lawyers who are representing the parents here, right? Mm. And it's quite disturbing. Um, I saw the the footage. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, but I you can saw actually, a little bit. You saw a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's quite disturbing. You yeah. see him crawling on the ground. It's no exaggeration to say like an animal. Yeah. And the sort of the stance of the prison guard is very casual and it's... If they seem to be doing very little to comfort him, okay? Um, well, they, it was kind of a stop your nonsense kind of It was. Off that's exactly, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it looked like. Um, so look, this is what they're saying. Uh, it's, it's, it's neglect. Uh, they're saying that he died with an unimaginable pain and, and, and with terrible suffering. And, and as it turned out, the autopsy found out that he, actually, he had actually died from a perforated bowel. Oh. The, uh, and, and with CCTV footage of him, crawling around mm. but he died at, so presumably there, we, there was a camera monitoring him at all times so the camera it's a great question but the camera is well out it wasn't inside the prison cell, cell itself it's outside ah, right, okay. the prison cell so you may not have seen him particularly the angle that it was at it mightn't have been right up against the door where presumably yeah. he was he was lying at the last time still he should yeah. have been monitored better he yeah. should have been in hospital and the thing about this particular jail um in fact, there was an investigation done by a local news channel recently enough, and they found that between 2015 and 2021, there was 15 deaths in this jail, and eight of them happened in the last eight years. Uh, sorry, eight of them happened in the last two years. Now, I looked up the details of this particular prison, and it's not big. There's only 399 beds in the men's ward. Now, presumably, you know, yeah. they throw more in there. But it's not a big prison, and for it to have 15 deaths in that space, six years, yeah. is not good. And and the people named in the lawsuit—it's not just deputies; it's it's medical staff as There's well. There's three it? nurses, as far as I know, but presumably yeah. medical staff. Now, these aren't nurses in the hospital, obviously, yes, which yeah. is just across the road, by mm. the way. 
these are nurses uh, who worked in the sheriff's department, obviously, and then there was one deputy also. Yeah. Right, yeah, that'll be... Uh, and, uh, and this case has started already, has it? Uh, it hasn't started yeah. yet. So, but if I can read between the lines of your question, can we expect maybe a little bit of trouble off the back of this? It's quite possible. Yeah. That you could have a sort of George Floyd reaction yes. to it. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, right, yeah, indeed. Right, Kenya, we're going to go to next. This is an interesting uh, uh, case, all right. Where the, the High Court there have said that uh, this, uh, Kenyan police can't go to Haiti. Now, would this, was, was this some sort of UN deployment that, that was being proposed? It was. It was a UN multinational mission, which we actually spoke about back in October when mm. Kenya said that they were going to lead it or that they wanted to lead it and they were going to deploy a thousand police over there. And it was big, it was big news, right? Yeah. Uh, nobody was really sure as to why Kenya wanted to do it, whether it was just for the cash or whether it was for international kudos or whatever. But they... They went with it anyway. And and as you know, because we've spoken again about it a little bit, Haiti is in absolute chaos oh, at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Nearly 5,000 murders last year, 2,500 people kidnapped last year as well. So absolute chaos and it's getting worse. So they need something to happen in Haiti. But this high court judge has basically said that he's not going to let it happen. All right. Now, there was always a problem with it in Kenya because the government went on a solo run here and they said, right, we're making the decision. We're not going to pass it through parliament. So the opposition were insulted by that, right, on a, on a political okay. and personal yeah. level. So then they decided to run with that as well and, and with constitutional lawyers and take it to the High Court. So the judges come back and basically said any decision by any state organ or state officer to deploy peace officers is illegal and it contravenes the Constitution. But not for the reasons that you might think or that people were thinking. He basically mm. said that parliamentary approval was only required for the military and not the police deployment, sorry, and that police could be deployed abroad. But for officers to go abroad, there needed to be a reciprocal arrangement with the host government. Um, And that's not there. So, like you send us a thousand Haitian police officers. This is the thing, this is the thing, because that said in in my head, that sort of raised the question, well, what do you mean by a reciprocal agreement? And I'll put it this way, the Kenyan government are now going to appeal this up to the Supreme Court, I assume, yeah. or Court of Appeal or whatever. And I assume they might come back with amendments where it could be, right, we're going to get five lads over from Haiti to teach our Kenyan police how to deal with bootleggers because yeah. they both have problems with that, yeah. right? And that's what we'll do with the reciprocal agreement or we'll kick the can down the road and the reciprocal agreement can be done at a later date or whatever. They'll come up with some sort of illusion because there's too much behind this now at this stage. There's $100 million from the United States to make this mission happen. The UN are backing it. And this is a major fly in the ointment of that particular mission, if it doesn't go ahead. But it it sounds as if the judge just made that up about the reciprocal (laughs) arrangement because it's like Ireland deploys troops and police internationally. No one's going, send us some uh, police from wherever we don't know what I don't know what what was behind it, uh, to be honest with you, but that was the ruling that he gave. They're going to appeal it and don't be surprised if it's successful. But it, it is delaying this mission and... Uh, and Haiti, Haiti is burning at the, needs at the that moment. Head, yeah, help. absolutely, Indeed it does. Yeah, and a very risky deployment. It must be said. As I well. wouldn't be going out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. Japan. We're going to go to next. Where uh, an arsonist has been sentenced to death. Are people sen- sentenced to death much in Japan? It, I wouldn't say much, but it's popular. 
Yeah. Um, so a recent opinion poll basically said, you know, that the vast, vast majority of people in Japan want to keep it. Because violent, I think probably the rationale behind is violent crime is so, it just doesn't happen that much in mm. Japan. And so when it does happen, it's shocking. So they basically think, okay, well, the deal, way to deal with it is get rid of the perpetrator. Now, they only do it for, for, for people who commit multiple murders. And in this case, this particular man, as you might remember, killed 36 people in an arson attack on, yes. on Kyoto Animation. This was back in 2019. So this was Shinji Aoba. He's now 45. He broke into the firm's building, doused the entrance with petrol, set it on fire and killed all those people and injured very badly in some cases, 32 others, including himself. He had to go and be operated on for about a year and he's only recently recovered his voice, in fact. Hmm. Um, so um, anyway, they decided um, at his sentencing that uh, he will be sent to prison and he's going to, enjoy, he's going to join 107 other people on death row in Japan. Um, and uh, we don't know when his execution will take place. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, Japan, is it similar to the United States where, you know, you can be on death row for decades? Yeah, I, it is. In I think what happens in Japan is you, you can be on death row for a very long time and then all of a sudden you're told, right, this Sunday it's 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 all over for you. I don't know how they do it in the States. Do you get more of a... a they, they give you your execution time earlier or... How, yeah, how I, well, you can just appeal it forever. Yeah, well, true enough. On, yeah, that uh, is true. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. On death row in the States. And the, 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 I suppose, is the least important thing given so many people lost their lives, but the animation firm he burned down, what happened to that? I think it got back on its feet eventually. There was another mm. US animation firm um, that raised a GoFundMe page or something like that for them and they raised two and a half million dollars and wow. got them back on their feet. So... I think it's still going. It was quite a famous one. Um, so uh, it, it, there was always um, yeah. a goodwill towards it, if you know what yeah, I mean. And why had he burned down this place? Was that ever established what his motive yeah, was? Yeah, that's a great question. He, he did. He had a gripe with them over a novella that he wrote and he basically believed that something that they had produced was plagiarised by them. And there was a dispute oh, over right. that, which he lost. Now, I don't know if it ever went legal, but he, he basically said, well, I'm not going to get any satisfaction here, so this is how I'm going to end it. Yeah. Right, finally, we're going to go to the UK, where uh, at last uh, a, 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 a very profound question has been asked, answered. What is a Walker's mini poppadom? Yeah, so it, this is a Walker's crisps, obviously, and they make sensations poppadoms, which are mini poppadoms. And this, uh, whether they were a poppadom or a crisp, went to a tax tribunal. And the reason that's significant is because if it's on a certain list, it means the product is subject to 20% VAT. So if it's crisps, 20% VAT. But a poppadom is considered a restaurant food. So if it could be shown that it was a, re- a poppadom, no VAT applied, right? Ah, okay, right, so this of course. is the reason it was so important. And Walker said that its mini poppadoms were not crisps because they were not made from potato and had been prepared before consumption as they were designed for dipping in sauces or eating with a curry. Now, there's a lot of quotes here, Sean, but they're very good quotes. Okay. So if you don't yes. mind me no, going no, through please, this. No, no, please, yeah. In the response, the tribunal judges, uh, both women basically said uh, that the uh, poppadoms in question, the sensations poppadoms in question, were small, generally round, bite-sized objects and that they were crisps as 40% of the ingredients were potato-derived, okay? They okay. went on to say... Uh, that they are packaged and sold in a manner similar to potato crisps. And they then went on to say that there was a practical limit to the amount of dip or chutney most people are likely to want to combine with the crunch of the conveyor product. So they came up with that. And then they finally said in the ruling that nominative 
determinism is not a characteristic of snack foods. Calling a snack food hula hoops does not mean that one could twirl that product around one's midriff, nor is Monster Munch generally reserved as a food for monsters. Yes, indeed. There's a lot in that sentence, (laughs) really. Uh, And uh, uh, fair juice to the person uh, who wrote it. Uh, Right, so so it is the 20% tax on your... Yes, uh, absolutely. And that's the reason they've gone up, in case you're out there wondering why that's happened. Uh, Right, so what should we look out for, uh, apart from the rising cost of mini papadoms, over (laughs) the next week or so? Yeah, so that ban on um, XL bullies uh, in England and Wales, which was brought in in uh, September, October Mm -hmm. last year, is going to kick in on Thursday. Uh, unless you have a certificate of exemption and I don't know how you get that. But anyway, that could cause a problem or two. There's elections scheduled on Sunday in El Salvador, a place we've been talking about quite a bit lately. So the young president there, Naib Bukele, is expected to easily secure a second term there despite a constitutional ban on leaders serving consecutive terms. But you know the way they get around these things. Um, And then the same day, it's 20 years since Facebook was founded. Really? I think they're going to celebrate by going to Washington and have a chat to some politicians. Oh my God, it feels like 50. Jonathan, thanks a million for coming in with Jonathan DeBarca Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.